three. Fuck me. Hello, and welcome back to Three Women Drinking Too Much and Talking Shit About Things They've Seen and Read. It's season three of Grape Culture. <laughs> I am Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. <laughs> and welcome back to the show. So yeah, season three. We're back. We're back for the new year. We're back with new topics. We're the same people in the same setup, which is recording from home because coronavirus is still a thing. But yeah, we're back for the third season. So thank you to everyone who has listened all the way through. Guys, how are we feeling about season three? Are we excited? Are we happy? Are we joyous? I am pumped to get back to it, I have to say. Um, I, yeah, I'm keen. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I have my wine. It feels like a pretty standard evening in lockdown, apart from I get to talk with you guys. So that's nice. So we're back for season three. We are running on a revised schedule for the time being, which is uh, one episode a month, which will be released on the last Sunday of each month. Uh, The reason that we're doing that at the moment is because um, it's 2021. Life is hard and we are somehow spending more time at home but have less time to do things so we'll be running that set up for the next kind of three months see how it goes but hopefully we'll be coming back with two episodes a month for you in the future topic number one of season three is take a hint danny brown by talia hibbert but before we get into the book why we chose it what we thought of it and whether we enjoyed it or not we need to talk about some wine that we've chosen to go with it so kim what have you picked for take a hint danny brown I didn't pick anything particularly cohesive, if I'm perfectly honest. I really wanted to pick something that had anything to do with, like, hints of this, that and the other. But surprisingly hard to find. But I really liked the look of this bottle, and so I thought it might be a little bit fun. But also, it seemed like quite a fun bottle, quite a fun wine. Um, I personally think this book was quite a fun book. So I was trying to go with something, like, joyful. So this is the Squealing Pig Malbec from 2018, which has a great label, which is this little pig went to Argentina, this little pig stayed home, this little little pig had supple tannins, this little pig had a hint of spice, this little pig went wee, 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 wee. Squealing Pig Mendoza Malbec. This little pig went globetrotting, discovering fine wines, so it has cracking crossed out here and then says fine wines from the world's best vines this squealing pig malbec comes from 10 year old vines the grapes were de-stemmed and cold soaked to crossed out add an extra oomph extract richness color and flavor the result is crossed out just perfect well balanced with the depth and complexity reminiscent of classic argentinian malbec bursting with blackberry flavors this wine crossed out will knock your socks off is bold with supple tannins and a hint of spice. The tone of the description of the notes, the description of the notes, the tone of the notes was kind of, it did remind me of the book. So I think that was a good yeah, pick. The whole, the whole bottle, basically, it was a bit of a whim purchase, but the whole bottle just gave me a vibe. Um, so I think it was fate. Alex, what have you chosen to go with the book this week? So I went to my good old co-op and the only thing that was giving me vibes of kind of romance and love and uh, I suppose lightheartedness was a bottle of Lambrini covered in hearts. And I couldn't quite bring myself to buy that, mainly because of the judgment from the checkout people, Um, not because of my own like liver and taste buds. I went for a red, mainly because I thought romance, passion, uh, linked more to red than maybe uh, perhaps a white. It's also fucking cold, so red it is. The wine I have gone for is 30 Degrees Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. Ooh, oh, 
Um, my thinking behind it was because of the big old 30 that's on the front of the bottle and this kind of perception from society that by 30 you need to have your shit together and that usually implies having a husband, having babies and having the career. And I feel like in this book they they do tackle it head on without actually having to think about like talk directly about it the fact that Danica is very kind of set on her career really just wants the fuck buddy rather than the commitment um so the idea of 30 kind of said that to me so the tasting notes are produced using grapes from one of the finest vineyards in Casablanca Valley this well balanced and elegant wine is an alluring shade of violet and exhibits delicious flavours of mocha and black cherries accompanied by delicate spice and subtle oak. Medium bodied and velvet smooth, this Pinot Noir is ideal to drink on its own or is wonderful when partnered with roast pork. A lot of that really echoed some of the like sexy descriptions of scent in the book. So I'm, also, I'm here for it. Also Danny's obsession with coffee. No, Zaf's obsession with coffee. Danny's obsession with mm. coffee. Yes, that's yes. true. It's also I, part of I, the irresistible range, so I thought that yeah, was quite fitting. Yeah. Alluring as well. I'm here for it. Good choice. Sam, what about you? So my wine this week is brought to you by, it was snowing today and I couldn't be bothered to go very far. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this was a case of, I went to the Tesco next to my house and I tried to find a wine that I hadn't drunk yet and that I knew I would like. And turns out that selection is quite small. So um, <laughs> I have the Castillo San Lorenzo uh, Rioja. I haven't had a Rioja for a while, so I'm looking forward to that. All three of us have got reds, which is a good choice. 2014, which is Ooh, much what older. Age? Yeah, but it was about six quid, so I don't hold <laughs> suspiciously aged yeah really aged suspiciously old yeah which can't be said of the 20 something year old characters in this book but anyway richly flavored and spicy this classic rioja combines ripe plum and dried fruit characters with cinnamon and vanilla from selected tempranillo old vineyards this wine will continue to improve in bottle improvement bottle (laughs) up to 10 years from the vintage I do like that we've all gone for red. I do feel like this is a uh, red wine book, yeah. not a white wine book. One thing um, I did notice about this book is that at no point does it mention booze. Like they don't have any alcohol in any of the scenes in the book. No, I also noticed this because it made it really well. hard to pair a bloody wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was I almost know. tempted just to go for a green tea. And then I was like, no, can't no. bring myself to do that in lockdown. I think I'm going to like it, but I am not sure. So speaking of think I'm going to like it, but not sure. Take a hint, Danny Brown, Talia Hibbert. It is a, it's the second book in this trilogy, I believe. Is that right? The Brown sisters. Yeah. Kind of a thing with um, romance series is there's, there's two or three or four or five or six in a series. They're interconnected, but they, you don't have to read them in order. It's not like a fantasy series where like, if you miss the first book, you have no fucking clue what's going on. They kind of stand alone. They just have, characters that are the same and we chose in this instance the second one the third one is coming out in March I think um at least it is in America coming out this year definitely Talia Hibbert is a British author so I assume that it's either already out or about to come out um and the first one was Get a Life Chloe Brown and yeah follows 
two characters, the, the uh, love story between two characters, Danica Brown, witchy bisexual PhD student, and yeah, Zafir Ansari, who is ex-rugby pro made security guard, chose it because we wanted something light that had a happy ending. We and we yeah, we wanted to talk about something a bit joyful to kick off our 2021 season because life is hard enough. But also I think, you know, we've we've all long discussed that there is a good conversation to be had around romance and romance novels. What did everyone think? I enjoyed I enjoyed this book. I said that with such little joy in my voice. I enjoyed this book. No, I did I thought it was a good choice for our first episode back because it was fun and it had serious moments, but on the whole, it was meant to be upbeat and playful. That's not an adjective I use very much, but there we go. Yeah, it was, it had some, there were some concerns I had with it, which I think we'll talk about a bit later on, particularly when we talk about romance as a genre generally. But I thought it had a fun tone of voice. I thought I liked the majority of the characters. It was a bit predictable, but again, romance it was it was good it was i enjoyed it what about you alex i don't have much to say on it to be honest it was what it was i've i feel like it promised me more joy than it gave me like sam i thought it was predictable and i yes that is kind of a trait for romance but it almost promised less predictability than it potentially gave I think you're right as well. None of the characters were particularly, like, I didn't dislike any of the characters. They were completely fine. I don't think they were that well-rounded. I think they, what you saw was what you got in the novel. I just thought it was the same sort of story packaged in a different cover. I didn't strongly dislike it and I didn't strongly like it. (laughs) Like, both of you have spoken about the predictability of it, which, for me, friggin' love. Like part of the appeal of romance landia tropes is i guess the same kind of appeal that people like myself who read mysteries like about like whodunits like there's there's familiarity in it the predictability of them ending up together and like literally i know from reading romance books where sex scenes will be based on what percentage of the book i'm through so i like that i i look forward to that like that's a thing that I enjoy about reading books. That didn't bother me. I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was great. I thought it was really funny. Like I actually laughed out loud reading this alone to myself, which I don't do a lot. I thought it had a lot of it had a lot of nuance and it had a lot of thoughtful aspects that I like and I like to read in romance in particular. Parts of it I found very difficult to read because of that, and parts of it were a little bit hard to believe I guess but I really did enjoy it it made me really happy to read it was exactly what I wanted to read I want more when we pitched talking about something light-hearted and fun and raunchy Sam actually pitched the idea of talking about a romance novel this was my pitch this was my choice for romance novel that we could talk about and I chose it with I think a little bit more background and reading like romance with a capital R books what were your backgrounds with reading romance novels and what were your sort of feelings before going into this not this book 
Um, well, I think when we were originally talking about stuff, I spoke about um, wanting to do something that you would maybe read on holiday. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, mainly because we all want a bloody holiday um, and also because they usually tend to be the kind of lighthearted reads that you would never usually pick up. You know, you go to the, the bar, especially if it's like an all inclusive kind of resort, you go to the bar and it's like the leftover books um, that are a little bit like sun kissed and wet from the pool, I hope. And uh, that is basically my only experience of romance novels is kind of reading them on holiday by accident or like literally when I was a teenager and my friend would be like, ooh, read this, it's so saucy. You know, for me, romance novels generally tend to be pornographic. Sam, what about you? What's your um, with it? So my teenage reading was pretty much split between fantasy novels, a lot of Tolkien, a lot of Harry Potter, a lot of various different fantasy things, and smutty romances. So I used to read quite a lot of them, like Jilly Cooper's. I have one that I reread this year. It's falling apart. Like the front pages have fallen out of the book. That's how many times I've read it. So yeah, I read a lot of Jilly Cooper's, a lot of um, Sophie Kinsella stuff, various other noughties romance I read at the time I kind of went off it uh the older and more jaded I got because I was like this is bullshit and also Jilly Cooper once you reread it in 2021 is really fucking problematic but um that's an aside so yeah I've read quite a few but we'll talk a bit more I think about how this kind of fits into the genre as a whole because it's marketed as a romance it's got like love hearts on the cover it's very much romance centric and obviously, with Zaf's obsession with romance novels, you can't really avoid it in this book. You can't yeah. even pretend it's another book that just happens to have a romance plot. It's a fucking romance. No, it's a fucking, it's a romance with a capital R. It hits all the notes. Yeah. It's a perfect example of changing what romance with a capital R is perceived to be by the wider world, I think, and, and showing what romance has been for a long time. Like I said, I, Sam, I had similar you know reading lots of smutty romances in in my teens we had these books in my house and again we're not really sure where they came from because my mum sure as shit didn't read them i forget who the author is the main character was called deirdre adair i think and they are like irish sexy may or may not have a soap star involved like the the hero is called rory there's a secret baby but and i was like 10 i think when i read the first one i feel i feel like that's the thing like you come to romance novels so early and a mixture of erotica and romance which often they are um because that's your kind of way of learning about this kind of side to relationships and people and things like that um, without being caught out watching porn. I feel like it's packaged as a book. It seems like it's okay and it's educational and you're so smart because you read and it's like, hee hee hee, you don't know what I'm reading. Also, I as mean, someone who had the family computer, porn, yeah, not so easy yeah, me to come too. by. Smutty book in another cover, great. But then, I mean, two points of that. First of all, my my choice of titillating media is is smutty books over porn any day second of all 
A romance book with sex in it does not make it erotica. But before we get into sort of the bigger question of romance, like I wanted to get a bit of background about your experience with it before we read this book so that it gave a little bit of context to our discussion of what we did and did not enjoy about this book specifically. So I kind of want to jump in, if we can, to those questions. Like, does anyone want to summarise the plot really quickly? So uh, Dana Brown, or Danica Brown, to give her her full name, is a PhD student um, at a university, University of Trent, somewhere up, somewhere up north, and she uh, teaches a an, an English class that is based primarily around um, gender and uh, misogynoir and that kind of post-slavery representation of women in literature. Um, her romantic interest, well, she doesn't really have a romantic interest. Her whole thing is that she just wants fuck buddies. She doesn't want relationships. She just wants someone that she can get, quote, regular oral sex from, which who doesn't? Don't we all? Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag goals. Um, and then there's this security guard at the building where she works called um, Zaf, um, Zafir Ansari. There's a fire drill and he has to carry her out of the building for reasons which has to, <laughs> has to carry her out of the building. Uh, they get filmed coming out of the building. The video goes viral with a hashtag um, Dr. Rugby. Oh, really fucked me off. That. Did not like that. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. <laughs> anyway, and then he runs this non-profit program for adolescent boys to teach them about, it teaches them through sport how they can express their emotions, essentially. There's a bit more to it than that. Of course um, he does. Because obviously, because how how else are you going to have a super jacked man with a heart of gold? <laughs> and I mean, my... I've read the books. There's a lot of ways to have a super jacked okay. man with a heart of gold. Apparently, it's mainly great. stable hands, <laughs> stable hands galore. Um, but anyway, this um, this romance kind of this what people perceive as a romance is not actually a romance, but they pretend it is, even um, to help boost his business. Uh, but, oh, shocker, they're actually really attracted to each other and then they end up being casual sex partners and, oh, no, they fall for each other, but secretly uh, Danny's really broken, uh, quotation marks broken there, um, because of past trauma with her boyfriend and she feels like she can't get close to anyone and now she thinks it's all a joke and... Then there's a big romantic gesture at the end on a rugby pitch that she makes because Zaf loves romance novels. It's quite cheesy. And rugby. <laughs> and rugby. It's so cheesy. But like, I, I put that. flowers on the goalpost because I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is essentially the plot. <laughs> and they end up yeah. after. Oh, yeah. And then Hello. at the very end, they're living in a house a year on and it's their anniversary and she proposes anal. So. I, I, I think one of the reasons I enjoyed this book so much is really early on in this book he was like I don't even like anal I'm like yeah thank you for that I really did enjoy the I know what like, I'm going to get and not get in this book <laughs> where she said about shoving a fork up his ass and his dick being like are we into that and he'd be like no and then his dick being like are you sure are we sure <laughs> oh yeah I, I did like enjoy that it's funny Excellent summary, Sam. Really enjoyed it. One thing that I would just pick up on is that I think that they are both quote-unquote broken, both quote-unquote past trauma. He has different traumas. They have different traumas, but that's actually one of the things that I really liked about this book. So I wanted to make that point early on. They both have shit they have to work on to be equals in said relationship, which I appreciated how do we feel and this kind of covers various things we've talked about alex you've we've talked about the um the the predictability and the and the tropes and um 
Kim, kind of this, you you said like when you read a romance, you know exactly where the sex scene is going to come. And um, also, you know, when you're reading a romance and you're so many pages before the end and you're like, well, there's a breakup coming because they're too happy now. So they're going to have to have a breakup for a bit and then they're going to get back together at the end. How do you think this book fit in the romance genre? Like how typical do you think it was? What did it do differently? Yeah, talk about that a bit because I want some wine. Um, I don't think I have read enough romance novels to massively comment on that, to be honest. Sorry, how do you feel like it kind of fit with your expectation of a romance novel in that case then? Uh, Massively in terms of... I also just think that the roles that they took on, yes, they potentially could say that they were flipped because, you know, typically it might be that the the man is portrayed to be, I just want a fuck buddy and no, like, massive commitment. And, uh, you know, the woman maybe is more caught up in the kind of romantic side and mental health and being open about their feelings and blah, 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 which is what kind of leads me to talk about at the beginning where it is a romance novel in a different cover or it is cliche in a different cover. Because I do think to some extent those kind of roles are flipped. I do think that it tries to kind of tackle this kind of anxiety and mental health in a very kind of light touch way. But for me, it still kind of hit all those cliches of let's, you know, be really standoffish. And then suddenly, like, there's there's something that forces us together. And, oh, we realise that we actually really like each other. And then we fall in love. And it does have those kind of waves that we spoke about and and you spoke about liking Kim of, uh, you know, that at this point, they're going to have the mad sex scene. This point, they'll have the argument. This point, they'll make up and it'll all be great. And then anal is proposed. So, (laughs) I mean, I didn't know it was... I don't remember that anal being proposed was a trope that I mentioned. Yeah, but it's usually a proposal. I mean, I do enjoy the fact that it was anal as opposed to like a different kind of ring. But I just didn't think it was clever enough to, to justify taking the genre and trying to shift it. Like, I don't think it hit that cleverness for me. See, I really disagree because I think, as I, I like, I think I've said this on on other, in other examples of other things. It's like incremental changes are part of what makes changes. It's like it is subtle, not subtle. Nothing in romance is ever really particularly subtle, um, but it is that flip is like enough because it's still familiar. It's still gonna hit the notes that your average romance reader wants to get but maybe change their perspective from a traditional mindset into something that they can quote unquote stomach obviously this is not how I feel but the argument is you know you take something familiar and you change it in one way or in a in a in a few ways just so enough that it's familiar but slightly different so that they're kind of like oh wait I still like this because it's still familiar and I've been tricked I've been tricked into liking this thing that is different and now suddenly men have feelings and but they don't do that because they are already hooked with with the familiar tropes they know what to expect and I think like part of the appeal of romance is that you know what to expect like what defines a romance I think above all else is that there is a happily ever after or a happy for now at the end whether that be we're married and have a baby or we are in a committed relationship and i think like that's that's an important thing so you can't you can't take away that and have it still be in the romance genre i appreciate what you mean 
that there are a lot of the same notes but at the same time like for me it's subverting that genre it's subverting that expectation and changing it ever so slightly so that what you're getting is a more inclusive more interesting slightly challenging aspect um and i think that talia hibbert does that by like you say switching the expected gender roles around uh fuck buddyism and mental health um aspects and i also think that their established friendship beforehand does a lot for the mental health argument that comes later in my opinion i think also because when we were talking about potentially reading this it wasn't we did we didn't want a literally we didn't want a straight romance novel so i kind of went into this thinking great i'm gonna really have kind of an insight into different people's relationships and how that works and different gender identity like whatever different sexualities and blah 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 and then it was just like oh okay she's fallen for a guy and she talks about a past guy relationship like there was no kind of complexity to that kind of aspect of her life I appreciated that you know it showed that she'd had a relationship of of whatever kind with a woman and that that relationship with that woman was carried through the whole book you know they they have friendship she apologizes to her it's part of her identity but I'm not bisexual or at least I don't currently identify as bisexual and I did want to ask Sam how you felt that was handled because this is your little token area. Token bisexual. Token queer. <laughs> token queer. Uh, speaking as the token queer. No, um, I mean, I hope you don't. I hope you don't mean that. But like, as oh, an insight, I, I don't give a shit. Um, but no, it. I don't know. I feel like it's a really hard line to walk because, on the one hand, we've spoken about this in the past, where it's like just because you have a protected characteristic doesn't mean that that protected characteristic has to be the basis of the plot. But also, if you are actively choosing to make that a part of the plot, how much should it impact what you're talking about? So, I feel like it's a really difficult balancing act. And I think. It was reasonably done, but I also, looking at the other books in the series with uh, the three sisters, all three of them end up in um, heterosexual relationships. Um, This was an opportunity for that not to happen, and I think it's almost a shame that it didn't, but that doesn't mean it should have been a same-sex relationship just because the main character but it's just because Danica is bisexual. So yeah, it doesn't invalidate it, her bisexuality that she ends up with a, a with a male, but it would have been an interesting narrative for the series as a whole if she had not. Exactly. And I think almost having that conflict with a, a same-sex character before the plot actually starts because Joe, who's the person that she's been sleeping with before, there's the tension there of the fallout and then there's obviously that resolution resolution where they make up it was almost like i'm going to avoid the difficult bit and mm-hmm. focus on the heterosexual side so i, I i'm not I, I don't yeah <laughs> anyway here's some great dick I, I i see what you're saying alex i see what you're saying Kim. like it's it's a tricky line to walk i don't yeah. know if it was walked as well as it could have been 
also talking about, I don't know if anyone else found this, obviously Danica is not, uh, she's a Kirby woman. I think she's supposed to be plus size. I'm not entirely sure. I um, feel like mid-sized, but yeah. But she's not, she's not a she's not skinny right. woman. What I found interesting was that this was supposed to be a kind of, and I'm going to use the word fat inclusive here because it's something that is celebrating someone's, like they mentioned her stretch marks, her cellulite. They mentioned the fact that she's not small. She has, like she said, moments about when um, Zaf is carrying her and she feels a bit weird about that. But then they make Zaf bigger than her. And that, mm. to me, is like going back to that thing about subverting tropes and whatever. If Zaf had been a small man, a skinny man, a, a short man, whatever, and she'd been a plus-size woman, to me, that is more subversive in terms of what we are used to seeing in romance than this. And the world, yeah. I agree with you there. As a chubby woman dating a beanpole. Bootleg Megs on Instagram, who I've seen her TikToks on Reels and everything, does a whole thing about how her body type is cardboard square mixed with whale or something and she's attracted to people who are disappear when they turn sideways. And I was like, I feel this in my heart and soul and I agree with you that that would be my personal favourite subversive romance trope. I have yet to find it and I've read a fair amount of romance. <laughs> yeah. And I think what particularly annoyed me is this kind of repetition that both Zaf, predominantly Zaf, says is this kind of like ownership quote constantly. Like, if you were mine, oh, now you're mine. And that, for me, I automatically switched off because I'm just like, I'm sorry, there is no way that you can count this as an equal relationship or a relationship that is, you know, if Danny is truly this kind of feminist, outspoken, liberal, how can she stand for a, a man of all things saying, you are mine, like she is his possession? Because and that really drove me mad. But to I me, wasn't that mainly she, sexual? Yeah, but she says he's his as well. Like, he's hers as well. Yeah, but I don't like, own my partner and he doesn't own me. <laughs> like... Regardless of if it's the leads. <laughs> no, but I do I I mean I don't have a problem with that in that context. Like there is a difference between your mind and you can't go out dressed like that and your mind when someone's dick in, inside of you. Like But not, he even said it. Like it. He even said it when they were t- when they were so my, I, my I think point. I think when they were t- when they were talking about noodles and chips or whatever, and someone was filming them, and he she said she mentioned something, and he was like, "Well, if you were mine, then we'd be doing this." And I'm just like, "Excuse me, no one is owning anyone." Like, I, it really irritated me that she did not mm. like question that comment, especially considering that her field of study. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. yeah. I agree that she should have questioned that comment. I don't necessarily agree that that comment should be questioned in all circumstances, in all times, and is inherently problematic. It would have been in character for her to question that. I- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pissed me off that valid, she didn't. Valid yeah. point. And then she was just like, "I will not be owned by anyone except when the dick is good." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all been there, but dignitized. I do think that there's more to unpick about this book. 
So I think that we should take a pause, have a wee, come back, talk about maybe something that we actually liked about the book, um, favourite characters, favourite quotes, and how we fit, feel, you know, sort of expand on what Alex said about how we feel about how this fits into feminism as a whole. I'll fit into your hole. I was just about to say that. You wouldn't. So we're back from our break. We've all had a wee, we've topped up our glasses and we are ready to talk some more about Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. Uh, but before we get back into our discussion, how is everyone finding their wine? How is your 30 year old? It's not 30 years old, but how's your 30 something? Oh. <laughs> I didn't realise you were talking to me then. Uh, my my 30 degrees with a tiny bird on the little degree. Oh, it's fine. It's so, it's just, it's just so dry. So, again, the same <laughs> review I give every single fucking wine. Uh, I begrudge spending eight pounds on it. And uh, Kim, how's your pig? <laughs> I can't believe you oh. chose that as the title of your wine for this episode. I mean, I thought it was very <laughs> apt. My squidding pig wine is very easy drinking. Thank you for asking. There's nothing particularly outstanding about it. It's tasty. Has your 2014 drink. horror story? Rioja. Um, do you know what? It's it's actually it's really good. Uh, really good. Okay, maybe that's a bit extreme. It is good. It's good. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I would say it's quite good pairing with the book in terms of my levels of enjoyment. Which is, I liked it. Did I love it? No. But we'll get onto that at the end of the show. So take a hint, Danny Brown. We talked a bit about the main characters, uh, Danica Brown, who is the heroine. I say that in heavily inverted comments because I think it's a stupid word, uh, except for, you know, class A drugs. And um, Zaf, who is the hero, I guess, um, the romantic leads anyway. Um, there are also other characters within the book. Did anyone have any strong feelings towards any of the characters, be they... Uh, positive or negative? <laughs> I struggle with this question because I do feel like none of them were particularly well developed, and that's obviously my opinion. I was annoyed. Oh, I know this is meant to be a positive conversation. I was annoyed that the friend was introduced as her kind of like, let's cast a spell at the beginning and then never mention her again. Saucer. She came back. She, oh, I obviously paid no attention to that. But in very oh, okay. tiny amounts. Well, she, she, the right. fact that she was introduced so like straight away, I thought she would p- play quite a key role. And so I was quite annoyed that she didn't. I enjoyed the, uh, I can't remember the woman's name, who Danica was really heavily trying to impress. Inez Holly. And I think it's also because the writing was clever enough in that respect that I I could feel the admiration. I could feel the wanting to impress this woman and then being very kind of uh, proud when she did or the nervousness that ensued when they had that conversation in the bathroom. So I, I liked that character. It did annoy me slightly that the conversation they had was about lipstick um, and <laughs> about... Uh, like I'm even struggling to remember the exact conversation but as far as I could 
understand it wasn't a conversation that I would necessarily have with an idol that I had in the field I was excited about. Um, yeah, I I agree with Alex in, I think there was a degree of the secondary characters and tertiary characters not exactly being well-rounded. Um, I think some of the people I would have liked to know more about were Danny's sisters, but obviously they are characters within the other books in the series. So um, there's a reason. Yeah, exactly. So that is like, you could come to know more of that. And like, I was, I was intrigued about why she talked a lot about her grandmother, but never about her parents. Um, But Mm. I think that's something that's discussed a lot in the, in the first book. Um, I, I liked, I liked Danny. I did really like Danny. Um, in the uh, um, no, in the like, in the spirit, in the spirit of the title, um, take a hint, Danny Brown. There were a few times when I wanted to shake her and be like, "You're being a fucking idiot." Um, That's just but, romance, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, fair enough. This could be some um, the conversation. <laughs> talk using your words. Who is your big boy? Uh, <laughs> but I thought that she was like that irreverence and the fact that she just kind of turned up to stuff and just started talking. I was like, Oh, this is a character who is clearly very self-possessed and very sexy and very, um, she has a sense of humor. And I was like, yeah, no, I like this person. But there were a lot of times when I, like I said, she exasperated me. Um, Zaf, I didn't really care much for, I was like, meh, he's, he seems like a nice guy. I can't really give you much beyond nice guy like he he was not a he was not a f- loin satelliter for me i liked Gigi, danica's uh grandma she seemed fun the one that was the uh, used to be a pop star um would read that novel would read that for sure mm. um jamal seemed just like a Jamal and Sorsha both just seemed like cut out best friends like you need a sounding board here I love being a side character. I was intrigued by Sorsha in particular. Um, would I think like I saw a lot of myself in both Danny and Zaf for different reasons. Um, so I might have been particularly well placed to like them more for those reasons. Um, particular details of both their particular backstories. So I really both I enjoyed both Zaf and Danny for a variety of reasons. And I also think the academic uh, setting really appealed to me. I think the book did the most disservice to Gigi and Sorsha. Like, those are two books that I want. Gigi's story feels like it should be an epic Bildungsroman novel of, like, overcoming stuff and being awesome in difficult periods and what happened to her children and what happened to her it sounds like a great book that I've made up in my head so I do feel that both those side characters I agree you know like you want more less interested in Zaf's side of the equation kind of interested in Fluffy partially because she's called Fluffy the thing about romance novels that I've often found is that the central couple are the only characters that you really get any depth about Why is it that romance novels are always a new relationship? Where is the romance 
Where is the romance in the fact that you can't keep your hands off someone that you've been together with for years and years and years? And it annoys me that that's not 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 portrayed. And so therefore we live in a society where it's only new relationships that are considered romantic. It's, uh, yeah, I Kim, I know you're about to say no. No, 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 go for it. But it is is much easier... Because if you, like, in terms of tropes, in terms of the way you create literature, in terms of storytelling, coming in at a at some point of change is much easier to craft a story around than just a continuation of the status quo. Sometimes, because I've seen stories where it's like, there's been a shift in a dynamic or something, but just coming in when everything is the same is not yeah, is not a story. True. But a I also think if you're going to but try yeah. and tell stories that represent human beings in the world, potentially making it the norm that romance isn't dead within a safe and welcoming relationship, like welcomed relationship. I don't know. But it's basically it was basically just that there has to be an event in order for it to be a story because otherwise it's just a series of dispassionate events which was the series of unfortunate events follow-up that never got made. Um, <laughs> Should get made. Would watch, <laughs> would watch the six-part series where each episode is an investigation into romantic troubles called a series of dispassionate events. But that is the appeal and point of these romantic universes, such as the Brown Sisters, where the characters, the side characters who were in previous and later books, appear in the background in happy little situations. And that is, for me, like some authors do it more and better than others. I don't necessarily think this is the best example of how well that's done, but I've seen it done particularly well in other situations. But I often find that every beginning novel includes an easter egg or background thing to someone else's beginning where it's gone over and i think that's particularly true in danny brown because you've got these these instances of chloe and redford who are obviously in get a life chloe brown which is the first book in the series which none none of us have read and i think that it would be nice if the whole book was like how great everyone is and love them but no one like sam said no one would read that you'd get bored after 60 pages because stories need conflict okay so taking that point though and then going into the sexual side should, <laughs> should we talk about how potentially let's talk about sex baby Let's talk about. Let's talk about Danny. So, so <laughs> I, I suppose how feminist was the sex? How much did it portray the female pleasure? Especially as you know, kind of we switched from the point of view of Danny and Zaf. So we kind of got a bit of both. Do we think we had enough of the female pleasure portrayed? So Danny is very orally fixated, as Freud would say, which is fine. But also, I feel like that is a. Um, it's a. It's a lazy way of setting up a a sex sexual interest sexual partner to win is just by having them perform oral sex. You're basically going, this is you know, this is great. Um, oh, someone's done it. 
It's like Brilliant. saying, Where I is... never want people wearing yellow. Oh, he comes in and his uniform is yellow. Like, it's it's the lazy aspect. Yeah, of but it. You, you can be shit it's at all just, yes. I'm sorry. Like, it just so happens that it's half of the no one ever is. <laughs> no. But I think that's Sam's point is that no one ever is in a romance novel. No one ever is ever shit at oral sex. And oral sex is always the be-all and end-all of female gratification. There is never and any it's, other it's, effort. It's like the people... tongue. People get props that they've tried. Like I've read very few romance slash erotica novels where actually no, I've read a few erotica novels, but um where there's been any kind of creativity and the extent of the creativity, particularly in um male, female or mixed gender couplings, is that someone has gone down on the other person. And I just feel like it's a very lazy, like this was amazing sex. There was oral involved. There's so much more. Yeah, like it's a low bar. Yeah, and that's it's my classic point. thing. I think I think it's an extension of the wider problem that romance novels have, which is that sex equals great no matter what. And it's like everyone took on the criticism that oh, penetrative sex is not always great for women. And they were like, great, how can we fix this? Oral, and so therefore, penetrative sex not always great. Oral equals always great, and that also not true and especially you know like i think for one it's one thing in a modern context like danny brown is but it's a completely other thing in a historical context where if you read any kind of regency romance it is literally like into uh penetrative intercourse hurts i have awakened you to any other kind of and instantly you have come and now you are in love with me forever and will die for me in the rain like it is yeah it is an easy way to make your female character reach orgasm without addressing the very real issues of the fact that not everyone, male or female, can just orgasm at the click of a finger. Excuse me. (laughs) On the back of that, like obviously the, the character talks a lot about oral sex being what she needs and what she enjoys. Great, good, cool. That's what that character needs. That's what that person needs completely respect that but in the entirety of the sex scenes between Zaf and Danny it happens once so and the rest of the time it's her riding his dick or you know whatever else it's very penis centric for something that from the off is described as being I want to sit on this man's face to not to put too much too fine a point on it she never does. Which is also That's probably why I had a, an um, immediate problem with the fact that, yes, she wants to sit on his face, and that's fine. It can be any gender that she sits on his face. But then suddenly, this man has come in and wowed her with his penis. And it's just like, well... And, of course, yeah. his dick is big. And he's hench, and he can wow her and pick her up and all this shit. And, it, yeah, it really irritated me that her preference was this sexual act and his dick somehow being in her made her forget about all that stuff. And, yeah. I agree. I like. I very much enjoyed all the sexy scenes in this book. But one of my favourite um, romance novels was... Uh, oh fuck! I've, I've immediately forgotten everything about it. Sarah McLean, one of her novels. I think it was 
it's one of her scoundrel novels. It was like a scoundrel by any other name or something along those lines. There's a lot of oral sex in that book. There's oral sex on a carriage. There's oral sex on a fountain. There's oral sex in a pub. It's great. It's a great book. And part of what appeals to me about that book and part of what appeals to me about the way that Sarah McLean writes, it's a historical, it's a Regency romance, writes that is that penetrative sex is deemed as ruining. And so there's the sort of tapestry around the idea that you are not ruined unless you have had penetrative sex. So everything else before that is fair grain, which is obviously bullshit, but makes a very entertaining novel. And so the emphasis on the female enjoyment in those novels is very much about not having penetrative sex and it still being fun for both parties. And I think that's what's lacking in this book, which is that in order for it to be fun for both parties, both parties have to get off. And for both parties to get off in this novel, they have to have penetrative sex. And that is that is the problem, I think, for me, with this novel versus other novels in which oral sex is maybe a focus point. And I think this also kind of ties back in with what Alex said earlier about the whole the ownership thing. And yes, I understand that can be a, a fun aspect of sex play, which is a horrible phrase to say, but... Um, in the context of this character, in the context of Danny, is that the thing? Is that what she would want would to hear? Is that what off? would get her off? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it fell. It felt like at moments the sex scenes fell back on these tropes, and also Zaf, who is someone who is um, notoriously um, taciturn and will not express things when they're having sex and he's just like oh fuck your baby the fuss is good like mm. when he's That's suddenly right. yeah no when he's suddenly yeah. very talkative and also what really like my balls, me off, what really <laughs> no. put me off above all else was when he literally before they'd had sex when they were in her apartment she was in her little oh and she's like grinding on him before that or before he that, her love. Oh yes, no way. I something that as well. like, oh well, why did sweetheart? <laughs> like to to paraphrase, even though it's not what he said, it was like you know, like take your shorts off, love, or something along those lines. And I was like, no, under no, no, absolutely not, no. This person who values love above all else is hesitant about sex really likes this person and is horny as fuck and just and every other facet like is not going to call this person who even though he really 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 likes her is not going to call this person who he's having casual sex with love just saying that really bugged me so casual dick riding love calling aside um, what were our favourite moments from this book, do you think? 
Because I think my, well, to be fair, having been here like, this sex scene is bollocks, this is bullshit. I was like, oh, no, actually, this is what I need. So the um, I quite enjoyed the sex scene, specifically the one on the table. When the table <gasps> gave way. When the table broke. Oh, the table breaking yeah. was like, yes, thank you for that. I was, I was here for hot table sex. Mm. That was probably my favourite bit. Yeah, similarly, I felt more horny. From this book. So, great. Thumbs up. That's my plus. Thumbs up where? Thumbs Yay, up no ass because I haven't proposed that. <laughs> have your bum no babies. <laughs> Kim, how about you? Um, yeah, well, It's going to be something really profound, like <laughs> his realisation about his anxiety, isn't it? And then we're going to be like... Ah, it literally was going to be about the anxiety aspect um yeah no obviously the horny aspect was great uh don't get me wrong love a bit of i really did love this book for both Safir's exploration of his anxiety and also the absolute derision that everyone felt for danica's ex-boyfriend matteo who can absolutely fucking do one. What a cunt. And May he come in his own face every time he masturbates. Yes. My particular favourite was the moment that uh, Chloe, who is Danica's elder sister, the star of the first book, just goes, I remember that little shit, Mateo. And I was like, I can. I felt my sister say that in my like heart. It was significant. So that brings us to the end of the episode on "Take a Hint, Danny Brown," which I just forgot the name of because it's late in the evening and I've had several many wines. Um, but Alex, let's go to you first for how you found both the book and the wine that you've had tonight. So I'm going to I'm going to rate the book first. I think it was right that we pitched having something really lighthearted, something that we can just kind of like pick apart, relate to and chat about as friends as the first episode. But saying that is still not my bag. It's it just doesn't hit me enough. I like I like a book that can make me really think about stuff. I like something that makes me analyse my own life and this was just too cliche and too, like, surface for me. So the book I'm going to give 1.5. I'm so sorry. Wine-wise, I'm going to go for a 0.5 above and I'm going to go for a 2. It's fine okay for a snowy evening, okay if you're usually a white wine drinker. I finished the bottle, it was easy drinking, but not going to buy it again. And Kim, you are pulling a face. How did you feel about your wine and the book? I really enjoyed the book. I think that there is a difference between, you know, there's a difference between the things that Alex enjoys and the things that I enjoy, and that's completely fair. So obviously Alex... Fair play. You didn't enjoy it. All the things that you didn't enjoy, 
are kind of things that I did enjoy, like predictability and all that sort of stuff, the reasons that I enjoy romance novels. That I thought that it was very entertaining. I think that they had problems, which we've discussed on this episode, but for all the problems that it did have, I also think that it did it do it did what I set out to do when I had heard about this book from what I heard about this book from what I wanted to read, which was that it gave a different perspective from um personal attitude, religious attitude, sexual attitude, racial attitude. The characters that are in this book are not living the same life that I'm living, and yet I found a lot of reasons to um, relate to them. And that is a lot of what I look for when I read romance. So I gave this book four grapes out of five. I think that holds true. I think that it had room for improvement, but I think that it was ultimately a really enjoying enjoyable book also it was very sexy and raunchy and frankly when I read romance I want to be turned on my wine average but I'm pissed so three and a half the end I will say I enjoyed this book for what it was which is to say like you said at the very beginning Alex a holiday read this would have been great for that this would have been great to read on a plane or on a beach or whatever was it groundbreaking no did it need to be groundbreaking no but it could have tried a bit harder that's where I see this being um I gave it a four on goodreads I wanted to give it a 3.5 so yeah three 3.5 my wine which was the uh Castillo San Lorenzo Rioja 2014 three nice red Good. Plenty good. We'll drink I'm again. We'll buy again. Surprised Six quid. Six quid. I'm surprised. I honestly thought you were going to hate it. So that is the end of episode one of season three of whoop Great whoop. Culture. Thank you for joining us. Um, don't forget, we'll be back in a month's time with a new episode for you. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our previous episodes. Maybe give us a follow, give us a like on social media, Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. We are on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can go to our website where we have the tasting notes, the links to buy our wine and various other bits and pieces, which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. Thanks for listening, and we will see you in a month's time for a bye. 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 bye.